Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Our scripture reading for today comes from John 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Hello. If you don't know me, my name is Erin Britt, and I'm the youth and preteen pastor here at Vineyard Springbrook. That means I hang out with kids 3rd through 12th grade at youth groups or track meets, in backyards or at recitals, or honestly anywhere I can find them in hopes that they will discover Jesus and the love that he has for them. It's a job I never imagined having and that I love so deeply. Getting to spend time with students, watching them blossom into knowledge and wisdom and truth is an incredible thing to get to witness. Last week, Lindsay talked about belonging. And wow, do I get to witness this through the eyes of my students. Each week, I get to watch new trends rise and fall and rise and fall through their lives. Um, One that is really fascinating right now is a new non-social media called Be Real, if you haven't heard of it before. Um, you get notified once a day at a random time to take a picture of you being real, where it'll take a picture of the front and the back from your phone, which feels revolutionary, and then it'll post it to all of your friends, which kind of does still make it feel like social media, especially whenever we then take those pictures and then post them on all the other social medias. But, you know, what do I know? When I notice these trends lasting for longer than about a week, I usually ask one of my friends, hey, why are you doing this? The response I usually get is, well, I don't know, that's what everyone else was doing, which I know isn't a great answer, but honestly, if you want some unsolicited parenting advice from someone who isn't a parent, if the worst thing your kid is doing is following Instagram trends and you're just because everyone else is doing it, you are doing a great job, phenomenal. They are hoping to belong in wonderful and silly ways. And I can laugh at all the things the students around me do to belong, but I also see the need to belong in myself. If you don't know, I'm a Blount County transplant. 
I grew up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, went to Knoxville for school, and then decided to stick around. Growing up, I lived in this incredible neighborhood where my house was on the corner and there were five other houses and all of our backyards faced each other. There were countless giant kickball games and dodgeball games and cookouts and all of the incredible things. One of my favorite memories still to this day is staying out to a, a very late 9 p.m. playing jailbreak with all of my great friends and my parents ordering pizza for all of us to eat. Another one was a time a storm came through our town and knocked out all of our power. So all of our parents decided, hey, we're not doing anything anyways. Let's go outside and cook out because that's what we're gonna do anyways. Even though the power came back on pretty early in that night, we all stayed outside together. You can imagine the longing for community that this neighborhood and the stories I could spend days telling you built into the person that I am. This is how I always imagined life being. That you asked your friends to be your friends, and that was it. They said yes, and you always had a house to go to, always had a place to show up, always had something to do. To my surprise, though, that isn't how life is forever. If any of you have moved to a different city as an adult, or probably as a kid as well, you know how difficult it is to feel like you have found people you can call yours. Since childhood, I find a repeated pattern in my life that I am surrounded by community, but don't have a friend. It all seems simple until it wasn't anymore. The issue is, is that I believe in friendship because I've experienced it in all of its grace and glory. So I have to ask myself where the not so simple leaves me. In the scripture we read today, we see Jesus taking his last moments with his friends, his people, the people he was going to be leaving to carry on the gospel. And he was taking a moment with them. If I was Jesus, I would have been terrified knowing these people and their stories, but he wasn't. What he did was he took them in, took off his robe, put on a towel, and fighting against some protests from Peter, individually washed each of his disciples' feet. He took the dirty feet of the people he had been walking with, washed them, dried them, and told them to do as I have done to you. In the doing as he has done, I always pictured myself serving people into walking out and finding the dark and hard, pots, hard parts of anyone else's life and scrubbing them clean. And that is so normal to me. I find that unintimidating. I am really, really comfortable doing that. The part that I'm skipping though, in thinking that, is the sentence before. The part I don't think I ever actually read or listened to from Jesus' instructions is that he asked his disciples to wash each other's feet. He didn't tell them to go out and wash a random person's foot. He asked them to wash each other's feet. If I ask you in your home or wherever you are to wash each other's feet of the people you're around you, that means that all of us would be taking our shoes off and getting our feet scrubbed by someone we might know well or might not know as well. I don't know about you all, but that is a thousand times more terrifying to me. Asking me to walk into the hard and scary of someone else's life, I am in, I am ready, I am prepared. You ask me to see the dirty in my life, I want to run and hide. Peter protests the way that I would, saying that he would never allow Jesus to wash his feet. Jesus responds and says that if Peter does not allow Jesus to wash his feet, then Peter will not belong to him. Jesus is saying that we do not belong to each other unless we are in the dirt together. I want you to think to yourself about the time when you had a really good friend. This might be hard for you or it might be easy. 
You can think about someone in elementary school or think about someone in your life right now. I want you to picture and remember the journey you had to becoming actual real life friends. Did it look clean? I think if we all sat in a big circle and shared stories, which is my dream, that we would find time and time again throughout the stories of friendship that rarely was the deep friendship ever formed through something that looked clean. Whether it was having the same terrible teacher together that you loved making fun of, or it was a disgusting meal that both of you were really hoping was gonna be good, or you ended up in a place really vulnerable with them that you didn't even plan on going. But we would discover that the hard brought you together. Jesus says that unless we are sharing our own dirt with each other, we are not actually together. That a relationship built on nothing but a polished representation of ourselves is an actual friendship. To get there, we have to go through it. And being in the metaphorical dirt on someone else's feet and letting others be in mine, I've discovered that we don't form deep friendships because you're both kind to each other. It's because you've walked side by side through the pains of being human. I can tell you a thousand ways I have hurt or disappointed the people I care the most about. And I hate it. I hate it so much. But that's the risk you run when you let people get close. They know that you're not a perfect person. But for every time I've messed up, I can show you a tangible experience of grace in my life. Jesus, also in literally walking side by side with them, knew exactly where their feet had been. It was no surprise that the disciples were covered in dirt and dust. He was too. There was no shocking turn of events because when you're walking with someone that closely, you get to see the messy happen in real time because it will happen. That's part of the deal of walking closely with someone. It is guaranteed that I will mess up and they will mess up and it will happen over and over again because neither of us are perfect. Have you ever met a person? It is a thousand times more difficult to do anything with someone else than if I just decided to do it myself. Yet, for some reason, over and over, we see Jesus making acts of friendship to the people around him. He made clear that he wanted his friends near him during his ministry. He called out the twelve to walk everywhere with him. Jesus sent people in pairs of two. It isn't because two people could cover more ground or have more conversations. Have you ever had to work on a group project with someone you didn't even choose to be with? It doesn't work that well. But Jesus believed that walking side by side was more important than efficiency. Thank goodness. Lydia discovered Jesus for herself and could not help but to ask people to come in and be with her and to stay with her. Faith turned her into a biblical Ina Garden, which if you know me is the biggest compliment in the world, and I love Lydia. Lydia discovered Jesus and couldn't hold faith and friendship in two hands. She had to hold them in one. If you are unfamiliar with the story of the woman at the well, she was a person hiding from her community because they all knew the places she felt the most shame about. She would make things more difficult on herself to hide because she knew that they knew what she knew and she was terrified of it. She met Jesus, she believed in him, and then she went and converted her entire town. Now, obviously this wasn't because she was the most upstanding citizen, that she was the person that everyone looks at and everyone goes, oh, they're just so perfect, I wish I was them. No, it's because those people knew the deepest, darkest parts of her life. Her vulnerability, whether she chose it or not, gave her authority in the lives of the people that she was avoiding. Paul, in my opinion, was one of the masters of friendship in the Bible. 
Well, he was still Saul. Um, he was going and preaching in Damascus about three days after he decided to not want to kill Christians anymore. He was preaching alongside the disciples. And I don't know about you, but if someone three days ago said they were going to kill me, even if they were preaching the same thing I was, I would be a little nervous around them. But he was doing it, and the disciples were doing it. Suddenly, it came alive that a plan was put in place to kill Saul from the Jews because he wasn't aligning with them anymore. So the disciples said, wonderful, don't worry, we have a plan too. We're going to put you in a basket and then lower you out of a window. Don't worry. If I was Paul, I'd be very worried. He has no reason to trust those people. He was just doing horrible and damaging things to them and just turned around. But he trusted them. I think Paul models here that sometimes we have to do the hard thing first. We have to make the help call first. We have to trust first. We have to be in the very vulnerable spot first. In Numbers 12, which is what I'm sure the book that you all were expecting me to bring up, Miriam is cast out of her community because she acted in a way that did not align with God. She was told to be outside away for seven days, alone and in isolation. Her people, the Israelites, said, we are going to stay in the same place and not move on for seven days. They couldn't leave her behind because she was hers. They were each other's. Even though she was wrong, and they knew she was wrong. Even though it cost them something, they decided to stay. Friendship usually costs you something. Whether it's time, efficiency, food, or rooms available at your house, there is never not a buy-in to friendship. There will always be a risk. I cannot tell you how many kind parents have come to me and said, I would love for my kid to join the youth group or your Bible study, but they are terrified to come. How I respond to that every time is, of course, I would also be terrified. That is so scary. Going into a place where I don't know the people my age that I'm gonna to have to talk to, where I don't know what's gonna happen, and I also don't know what the crazy youth pastor's gonna say. The risk of the unknown is huge. Moving into this town, where friendships and histories run long and deep, it has been a risk I've had to take over and over to put myself out there to desperately try to make friends. Because it's scary. What if they don't like me? What if I embarrass myself? What if I get deeply hurt again, like I have my friends in the past? It's a huge risk. If you're a guy listening in, you might be sitting here now thinking, yes, you've covered it. This is a kid and woman problem. Glad to be moving on. But I don't think it is. Jesus was extremely clear that he wanted his friends around them, that there are 12 men set apart to him. I think men have this horrible expectation on them that they, need, that they need to be brave and strong, and that means they can never be honest and vulnerable with anyone. But if Jesus, God in flesh, had 12, you should probably have a few. It's okay. But that's a risk. It's a huge risk. So, there is a risk. If all of this is harder than we want it to be, why do we do it? Why do we risk friendship? I think because friendship is a bold claim in the kingdom of God that is modeled over and over. That we've decided we're going to be a witness to someone else's human experience. Deciding that, yes, I'm in on the good and the bad of this person. That what they do could rarely change the stance of my feelings towards them. And what I have discovered through that commitment is the discovery of Jesus' opinion of me. Me, as a person, when I mess up, 
I see myself as a total failure, as an irredeemable person, that no one will ever want to talk to me again, and it doesn't take me long to get there. But when I see my friends mess up, I see them as a whole person, and that makes me feel less alone. I see them as them. I don't see wrong choices or a bad person, just a friend doing what they can, where they can. How much wider then, I have to ask myself, does Jesus love me? Does he forgive me? And does he never leave? Because I decided not to, and my friends decided not to, and Jesus never will. This is why we show up on Sundays or on podcasts surrounded by the people we might not run into anywhere else, to be in the midst of each other's faith, hoping to strengthen our own. So I dedicate babies and say that yes, we will walk alongside these tiny lives as they grow and change. That's why we have core groups, so that people can find each other in the midst of the week, in the middle of work and school and tragedies and celebrations, to be the physical representation of the love and grace of Jesus in each other's lives. Because as a church, we believe this matters, that showing up to walk beside each other matters. So, I'm going to ask you to try. Out of everything you've been asked to try from us, this might be the hardest for you, and I'm really sorry. I'm not going to ask everyone to go to giant parties and bear their souls all the time. Jesus was clear that there was 12, and there was 3, and there was 1. I'm not asking you to be a person you're not. I'm not even really asking you to do anything today, or even this week. Except ask yourself if you believe this could really be true. That the risk and pain and the cost of friendship could actually be worth it. One of my best friends believe that, believes that friendship is best when it is decided and known. She will verbally, out loud, ask if people want to be her friend. Just like we all did when we were kids. She asked me six years ago, and we haven't stopped being friends since. I think she figured out the secret. That when you say it out loud, it's a little bit harder to back out of. So, if you've asked yourself if it's worth it, and you've decided on yes, try anything in friendship. Whether it's showing up on a Sunday as a more honest version of yourself, or asking someone to meet you for coffee that you know you'll get along with. It'll be great. It'll be fun. But it's scary. Or joining a core group of maybe people you don't know that well. Or even just saying out loud to your people that you love them, you are for them, and you are with them. In short, I'm asking you to go wash each other's feet, to go wash and to be washed.